The Bandroom Podcast is proudly supported by Kaleidoscope Adventures. Kaleidoscope Adventures is a full-service student trip planner with more than 26 years of inspiring student travel. Dylan and I have had positive experiences on school music trips, so we both know how much these meaningful opportunities contribute to students' musical development and create lasting memories. Kaleidoscope Adventures specializes in organizing unique trips to over 40 student-friendly destinations. If you're planning a student trip, you can count on the Kaleidoscope Adventures professionals to collaborate with you to organize the perfect education or performance tour. When you're ready to plan your next adventure, visit KaleidoscopeAdventures.com. That's KaleidoscopeAdventures.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Bandroom Podcast. My name is Dylan Maddox. And I'm Kate Nishimura. And we are back to our regular scheduled programming. We are it, back. It's so nice to, uh, once again, I almost said see you. Uh, so <laughs> nice to be back with you. Um, we're here uh, at BRP 99, uh, which is kind of hard to believe. Um, and we have uh, taken a proper break uh, as Kate and I um, just readjust. Well, yeah, I guess readjust to a, a version of new life. Yeah. Um, myself in St. John's and, and Kate with uh, her own things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it feels um, great to be, uh, to doing, be doing this again. Um, I think yeah. – Breaks are important, um, but, you know, being able to come back to something that we both love. It's so funny because I think we were both a little bit nervous about starting to do guest interviews again. It's been a little bit, mm -hmm. a, a little while, like, are we going to be able to remember how to do this and that kind of thing? Yeah. But I don't know about you, Dylan, but for me, it, it has just felt like, oh, yeah, I know how to do this. This is great. This is my favorite thing to do. So it's uh, nice to be back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my... Uh, my overwhelm I usually have some kind of overwhelming thought by the end of an interview or a chat. Um, and for this one, it was just like how appreciative I am to be having these conversations again. Yeah. Um, cause you know, it, both of us are lucky that we have careers in the field, but it's when you're working, it's not very often that you get to have these conversations, um, about, you know, just being a vulnerable professional and the flaws and the ups and downs of, of what we do. So it was uh, it was very much missed um, yeah. in my life, so I was happy to have them. And today was a big day. We did two interviews, yeah. Um, so it was a double hitter of a day. Yeah. Um, but that means that um, we're like I said, back to our regular scheduled programming. Um, it also means that BRP one hundred is coming up, which is very exciting. And we're gonna throw a prompt at you actually, <laughs> and uh, the prompt is, um. Just because I'm actually kind of curious, um, tell us what your favorite Bandroom podcast episode is um, and and why. Why was it your favorite? Um, and you can send that to Dylan at BandroomPod.com or you can send it to our, any of our socials uh, on Instagram or Facebook. Um, and yeah, just kind of curious about, about how. Because 100 episodes is a lot. 
Yeah, it is a lot. So, and we can talk more about that when we actually get to our 100th episode. And I'm definitely going to ask Dylan, like, you know, for favorite episodes or highlights over the 100 episodes. Um, but yeah, we'd love to hear from you listeners. Um, mm-hmm. If there's anything that has stood out to you so far, because um, there's just been so many gems, right? So much incredible advice and insight and stories and everything that we've gotten to hear. And it's just really like such a privilege to be able to have these conversations and and share them with people who are interested in hearing them. So I think we're coming around the corner on the 100th episode. It's making us uh, reflect on all this stuff and everything. And it's, it's all nice. <laughs> Yep, it's very nice. Um, but before the 100th is the 99th. And the mm-hmm. 99th is just as valuable, if not more, than <laughs> the 100th. And I'm saying that because um, we had the great pleasure of speaking with, as I've said, probably five times in the past hour and a bit, one of our favorite people on the planet, um, Dr. Shelley Axelson from Radford University in Virginia. Um, she's someone um, that Kate and I have both known for uh, a while. Um, you know, we we come up through our upbringing, be it as conductors or band directors or music teachers, whatever you want to call yourself. Um, and you're able to work with people at symposiums and honor bands and things. And, and Shelly was one of those people for me that I've got to work with at the university of Toronto, uh, when conducting symposium. Um, and as I talk about in the, the, our chat, it's, um, she's someone who just inspires you to to kind of be yourself um, because that's who she is. And she's just a wonderful person. One of the fun- funniest people I know. Um, and uh, it was just such a great chat. Just talking about, talking about the biz, but also just the realities of what we do and how it's okay to, you know, give yourself a break and be patient with yourself. Yeah, absolutely. It was a great conversation. I'm excited for you all to hear it. Um, before we get to that, we have a couple of things to uh, remind you about or tell you about. Um, do you want to talk about the symposium first, Dylan? Yes, because I almost forgot again. <laughs> um, so uh, we just mentioned the symposium. Um, I don't even know what year that was whenever I did it with Shelly, but you have an opportunity to actually do a symposium with Shelly Axelson and Jillian McKay this summer at the University of Toronto um, for their WIN Symposium. And that's happening July 2nd to 5th. Because um, whenever I mentioned the dates, um, Shelly's like, that's in the middle of July the 4th. <laughs> and I said, what is July the 4th? Because we don't <laughs> really have a big thing here that day. Um <laughs> Um, but anyway, happening um, July 2nd to 5th, um, as someone who's participated in it, I can tell you it is one of the most uplifting symposia that you get to do. Um, and it's it's hard for me to say that consistently about any kind of <laughs> workshop, but um, continuously I've done it probably four times and I always leave a better musician and a better person and um, with all the feels. So um, Dr. McKay puts on a really great event um, and you're able to have a lot of connection time with the people there. And Shelly's there this year and she is just a wonderful conducting teacher and and music educator so please go check that out we'll put the link in the episode notes for you to explore yeah Um, other couple plugs one of which is um uh, you hopefully doing us a favor and 
And what would that favor be, Kate? <laughs> that favor would be if you can make sure that you are following or subscribed to the Bandroom podcast on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. And mm-hmm. if you would be so kind to leave us a rating or a review, that would be super helpful to us. Um, firstly, to give us some feedback that's really helpful, but also to help us grow our audience. Leaving ratings and reviews helps push the podcast out to new new people, new communities members. So um, if you're able to do that, that would be really, really helpful. It takes like two seconds. Pause right now. Go find where you give us the stars and go do it and come right back. And thank you to those of you that have done that. And also those of you that just send us feedback um, in other ways as well. Sending us messages and things like that is is always really encouraging as well. Yeah. Carrier pigeon. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, much appreciated. Yeah. Um, and speaking of stars and feedback and things, there's something else that we forgot to mention. Kate has her own podcast. I do. <laughs> and you should go listen to it if you haven't already. Um, we've uh, posted about it on our Facebook and Instagram and things, but um, you should really go listen to it because there's new episodes dropping every Monday. Aww, Some of your favorite you. Nishimura works. Yeah. Get in there. Learn about them. <laughs> Yeah. So if you haven't heard or read about it yet, um, very quickly, it's called the Composer Kate podcast. If you just search that, you can find it and we'll maybe link to it as well. Um, Each episode, I'm talking about one specific piece from my catalog. So each episode will explore a different piece. um, And I'll just go through every piece of music that I've written. And I'm talking Mm -hmm. about behind the scenes stories of creating the pieces and collaborator perspectives and frequently asked questions and stuff like that. So it's been a lot of fun so far. And honestly, I mean, I'll take this public opportunity to thank you, Dylan, for getting me into podcasting, because I think um, that's something that I always wanted to do, but I probably wouldn't have started my own like by myself. So I think having the opportunity mm-hmm. to be a co-host with you is really kind of what paved the way for me to do that. So Thank you. And thank you all for listening to this podcast. And hopefully some of you will come over and listen to mine as well. Yeah. So many podcasts. We might as well start a network. Changing Your (laughs) Pattern, Composer Kate podcast, and the Vanderbilt podcast. Um, Anyway, a couple more things to remind you of. Um, uh, We talked about helping us through... giving us a rating and a review. It's very helpful. Appreciate you doing that. Um, there's other ways if you want to help support the podcast. Um, I, one way that we don't really push that much is merchandise. And I'm wearing uh, one of the things right now. And that is a Bandroom podcast hoodie, which is very nice and They're soft. And it's cozy. actually one of my favorite things to wear. Yeah, me very too. cozy. Um, <laughs> so you can get that, a t-shirt, mug, whatever you want by visiting uh, bandroompod.com slash store. Um, and that'll bring you to our bonfire storefront where you can check out all those cool things um if you don't want to do that we have a patreon that you can uh join and uh, as another way of supporting the podcast and have access to bonus episodes with fantastic people and let me tell you we recorded two bonus episodes today and both of them were excellent and shelly's was very yeah uh, (laughs) shelly's was great um and just talking about um just add, add, I almost said adolescent, but it's like child confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and how she kind of, she knew from the beginning she was going to be a teacher. So, <laughs> um, anyway, you can check that out and learn more about, um, being a patron of the podcast by visiting patreon.com slash bandroom pod. That's patreon.com slash bandroom pod for more. But without further ado, Kate is telling me to wait. <laughs> 
I just really quickly wanted to remind you that our consortium project is still open <laughs> as well. Um, I know we're hitting you with a lot of information, but we've taken a, a bit of a break. So we've got to get all the reminders back in. Um, if you haven't heard about it yet, the Bandroom Podcast, um, we're in our second year of running the BRP consortium project. Um, and this year we are really excited to be working with Kevin Lau, who's a Canadian composer, mm-hmm. award-winning Canadian composer who just is such a fantastic writer and we're really excited that he's going to be creating a new work for band so the piece will be for grade three and a half to four uh wind ensemble level um the mm-hmm. consortium fee is only 150 dollars canadian so american canadian. friends like that really does work in your favor this is an incredibly affordable accessible way to be part of commissioning a new work and the deadline to join is march 1st so whether you're listening to this the week it comes out or even a little bit after the fact hopefully that means there will still be time for you to join if you're interested um all the info is on our website bandroompod.com slash consortium okay now dylan you can uh finish your spiel <laughs> absolutely <laughs> absolutely well the only other thing i'll say is that if you join the consortium you're joining uh you have some good company. Yeah. Um, we have schools from coast to coast, um, literally coast to coast, um, joining with my school being involved, as well as UBC and Rob Taylor. Yeah. Um, and not to mention our friends in the States um, who uh, are supporting this project. So um, there's high schools, there's individuals who don't even have ensembles and lots of universities. So um, join join the family. It'll be, yeah. it'll be great. And the piece, I'm actually getting the score next week, which is very oh, exciting. So exciting. Um, yeah. So anyway, yes, please do that. But now, since we've shared everything with you, <laughs> Without further ado, here is our conversation with Dr. Shelley Axelson. Okay, here we are back in the Bandroom podcast. BRP 99, and oh my gosh, is today an exciting day because Kate and I are here with uh, one of our favorite people and some someone that uh, I don't get to see a lot, probably actually in my whole life, maybe four to five times, but still nonetheless amazing. It's Dr. Shelley Axelson. Welcome to the band room. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be asked to be here. Yeah, this is, this is great. I mean... Um, very early on, we, we've had you on our list for a long time because I just think, not to put pressure on this, but think you would be a great podcast guest. Okay. Um, so uh, don't mess up. Uh, okay, <laughs> here we go. All right, that sounds great. No. Um, but yeah, we'll talk more about um, how we know Shelly and, and all that stuff uh, as we as we go through our conversation. But I, we, I there's just so much I need to know because I don't know any of these. And sometimes I do know, but this is excellent. Um, so the first question is where, why, and how did your musical journey begin? Well, I, I from very early knew I wanted to be a teacher, right? Mm. So I remember being in first grade and announcing I was going to be a first grade teacher. And then in second grade, I announced I was going to be a second grade teacher. Uh, and then in third grade, I lived in New York at the time. And that's mm. when they started string instruments in the school. Okay. So I 
wanted to play a string instrument. So I, they put me on viola. So that was my first instrument, my little dirty little secret. I started as a viola player. Um, and then, uh, then in fourth grade, you could start wins. So I started clarinet and then it was about, okay, now I'm going to be a music teacher. Right. So then I knew that much. Mm-hmm. So then, so there was some more moving and different instruments and all of that sort of thing. But then, so fast forward to February 2nd, 1985. I feel like this is my origin story. Yeah. Right? You know wow. what I mean? Like a, like a superhero. I, not, I mean, I'm no Spider-Man, but, <laughs> but it's, it is a day in my life, like a moment in my life where it, I knew, um, and it was February 2nd, 1985. I was the concert of the Hillsborough County honor band. So I was in this honor band playing bass clarinet and, um, Jerry Junkin was the conductor. And I lived in Florida at the time, just like 30 minutes from the University of South Florida where he mm-hmm. taught. So I saw him a lot and all that kind of stuff. So we're playing this concert and I don't remember all the repertoire. I know the whole first suite was on it mm-hmm. and Apollo, that sort of, it's like a little, uh, what, what am I trying to say? Like not esoteric, but like. Yeah. different noises and tapping right. of feet. And, right. So that was that, that kind of piece. Um, and Russian sailor stance. And anyway, so we're playing this concert and I can, I just sort of lost consciousness for a moment, <laughs> which I now know is like sort of my first flow experience oh, yeah. now. Right. So, but like at 15, I didn't know what that was. So I just remember sort of, coming to, I guess, like being back in my body and tears were, my face was drenched. Like tears were just pouring out of my eyes and I was still playing, which was kind of cool. But, um, (laughs) and so that happened. And then I remember standing in line with my mom to go up and talk to professor drunken after it was over. And, uh, and, you know, and I'm all emotional. My mom's like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, and so then we got up to talk to him and I took a breath to start talking and started ugly crying, like <laughs> bawling, like can't catch oh, your no. breath, bawling. It was, and he was so gracious because he's such a wonderful, wonderful man and conductor, but um, he just gave me a hug and he was like, write it all down and send it to me in a letter. And I was like, okay. And so we walked away and I remember for like two days, I stayed in my room and cried, you know, and my mom would knock on the door and be like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm just so happy. You know, like just, it was nuts. So that was, that was like the beginning because Mm -hmm. I knew that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be like Jerry Junkin. I wanted to be a conductor and I wanted to do honor bands and Mm -hmm. that's what I wanted to be. So that's my origin story. And you did it. That's a good story. I love that. And I did it. I'm stubborn, man. (laughs) Uh, first question I have is unrelated to your origin story, but are you one of those people that can just, just remembers dates, like specific, very specific dates? No, not usually that date. No, it's just that date that I remember. No, I'm not actually very good at that at all. Are you like Martin Short? He has that anyway. (laughs) Photographic memory. I think it's funny that we're, we're actually Uh, very close to February 2nd. Um, like 
we are in, in this recording. And so potentially we can take we'll this out if this out. isn't true, but I think that'll be the week that this comes out. So I think that's really cool. Just your origin yeah. story. You know, yeah. the, the I love date. that. I yeah. will be celebrating. I mark it every year. I do. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I don't do any, I don't have a party or anything, but I, I think about it and <laughs> I usually write an email or something to Jerry Chunkin and that's awesome. Say, remember that time? And she's like, no. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, yeah. And then, um, so what, what was it after that? After your origin story, you got your costume on now. Um, what what superhero things were you going off to do? <laughs> well, then it was just get to Jerry Junkin, <laughs> right? So that he could teach me all of those things yeah. that I'm right. going to need to be like Jerry Junkin, right? So yeah. um, I actually ended up going to the University of South Florida oh, okay. um, to study with him. and But after my first year is when he went to UT Austin. Perfect. So then, um, and I thought for a minute about transferring, but you know, I, but then I just kind of didn't, I don't know. I was young, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but then Michael Voda came and he did an interim year and that was great. Mm-hmm. And then Mallory Thompson came. So, and then she stayed. And so I fin- I finished that all with her. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because- so I had her for my undergrad too. Yeah. And you're, cause your, your list of teachers is kind of insane. Yeah. Uh, no. Look, that is okay. Like that is luck. Like seriously, because really? I don't know. it really is because so Jerry Junkin happened to teach 30 minutes from my school. Right. Okay. So he was in my high school band room once a month. Mm. Right. right. Um, and then when Mallory came, she started a summer conducting symposium and she told me that if I organized it, I could be a participant for free. So I was like, done. <laughs> yeah. So, and I did that, I think it was like three or four years. I can't remember how many years that was, but like literally Tom Lee, Larry Ratcliffe, Donald Hunsberger, H. Robert Reynolds, Alan mm-hmm. McMurray, Craig, you like every single, and all I had to do was go to my band room. <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't even have to like, it was all sort of delivered to the band room at the University of South Florida. So um, yeah, that's just dumb luck right there. So, um, and then I ended up going straight to my master's at the University of Michigan to study with Professor Reynolds. So, yeah, so that was, again, it's just being in the right place at the right time is a piece of it, I think, Mm. at least it was for me. Yeah, and Kate talks about this a lot, but like luck is one thing, but knowing what to do with it when you get it uh, is another thing. So, and I think you're someone who has clearly known what to do with it, whatever it comes your way. (laughs) So that's very cool. Yeah. I mean, I think, so you consider yourself lucky to have just been in the right place to, you know, encounter these people that were influential in your early, you know, days, but there are so many other people that were in that classroom with you. And did they all go on to do what you did? Like not every single person took, Mm. took that luck and, and did with it what you did. And we know now, like, those are like celebrity names in our world that you're, they were just casually (laughs) like part of your student experience. But imagine like there are so many people out there that worked with these incredibly famous, influential people. And it, not that it did nothing for them, but like if they're not musicians still to this day, it's just so funny to think about how they would have had that same origin story had they chosen to do something with it. Yeah, that, you know, that's, I had not thought about that, but yeah, that's true. 
That's true. I'm just glad to be part of that team. I got to yeah. tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just, I'm just really grateful. Yeah, for sure. Um, so from there, could you tell us a little bit about your professional path and how you ended up in your current position? Yeah, sure. So um, after I left Michigan, I went back to Florida and I taught middle school. Oh. Um, it, it probably honestly may end up being the best job I ever had, quite frankly. <laughs> I taught middle school in Dade City, Florida, Pasco Middle School, go Pirates. <laughs> and um, it was it, it too was sort of a lucky situation in that there were no expectations really, right? So it didn't have a strong tradition of excellence. And so I was really able to go and just sort of figure it out. You know what? Yeah. Really Can I tell this story? <laughs> I do remember. So I got that job like very last minute. Mm-hmm. Um, also this job, which I'll talk about later, <laughs> but um, the uh, it was literally, I found out about the job on a Tuesday flew to Florida, had an interview on Thursday, flew back, got the call on Friday and school started Monday. (laughs) Wow. So nuts, right? So I put everything I owned in a car and I got on 75 South and I started driving. So, um, but, uh, I remember, so the principal was so great and his name was Mr. Reedy and he had the students just have a study hall for like the first week. So I could like do inventory and pick music and things like that. So I remember the first day that I was actually with them, with the, like the top band, the eighth grade band. And I remember saying, okay, if I say B flat concert, does everybody know what I mean? <laughs> Not the scale, just the note. Do you know what that, do you know what note to play? And they were all like, yes, we do. And I was like, great. So I was like, let's play B flat concert. And I gave the breath and they started playing. And I remember standing there. I don't know how long we held that note, but it may have been like minutes because I didn't <laughs> want to cut them off because I didn't know what to say. <laughs> because I had literally listened. Now I just left Michigan. Right. Okay. So like, and I played in the top band at Michigan with Bob Reynolds on the podium and his bass clarinet, you're in the center of that gigantic band. I had never heard sounds like that. You know what I mean? And I was in the middle of it. I mean, sometime, I remember a couple of times I was like, look at just looking around and I would look at professor Reynolds and he would look at like, cue me like, uh, you're supposed to be playing. Because I would just be like, oh my gosh. And then I had my little eighth grade band. And so my, I guess my target of tolerance from being at Michigan, which Bob Reynolds talks about, that, you know, your tolerance level is very small for mistakes when you're in an ensemble like that. And I needed to very quickly expand that sphere of, (laughs) you know, what's, what's going to be acceptable for, you know, a little eighth grade band in Florida compared to the... Michigan Symphony Band, but yeah. So anyway, so I went to Pasco Middle School. All right, I'll try not to tell millions. Oh, we love the story. Um, (laughs) Okay, good. So uh, after I was there for a couple years, and then I went to teach at Richardson Junior High in Richardson, Texas. Fun fact: Frank to Kelly went to Richardson Junior High. No way! Wow. Yes, and I met him there. Okay, I have another story. Okay, so picture it, right? So now we're in Richardson, Texas. And it was it wasn't that we actually did a lot of vertical teaching, but you were part of a cohort, like the high school mm-hmm. folks, the middle school folks, and the elementary folks. It was all very much a lot of communication, a lot of coordinating of you know curriculum stuff. So it was really great environment to work in. So <clears throat> I was 
at the junior high, but I was on the staff of the high school marching band. Everybody was because you needed a giant staff. It was a giant 6A, Berkner High School, great, great band program. And so I had a sectional after school. So I was gonna, I was late to the marching band rehearsal after school. So I got there. I went in the band room to put my stuff down and all the band directors were sitting in the office. So I just sort of slithered, you know, slunk into a chair in the office and they were listening to a recording of something. And so the recording finishes and the head director at the the high school turned to me and said, what do you think about that piece? Oh no. (laughs) And I said, you know, I, I didn't hear all of it, but I, I, I like it. You know, it kind of reminds me of Cajun folk songs. And the person sitting next to me turns to me and says, it's called Cajun folk songs too. Hi, (laughs) I'm Frank to Kelly. And I was like, I looked at the high school band director and I was like, what if I had said I hate it? Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? Or like totally humiliated myself. But anyway, so that's the first time I met Frank mm-hmm. to Kelly. Wow. But, um, that's amazing. So anyway, so I was at Richardson for a year. <laughs> and then I went uh, and did my doctorate at mm-hmm. Northwestern with Mallory. I was with Mallory Thompson again. Um, and then after that, I was at Central College in Iowa for a few years. Uh, and then the University of Indianapolis for... I don't know, eight years maybe. And then Montclair State University in New Jersey for 14 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, then just a few years ago, I think it was 21, maybe 2021. Um, I took a gap year, yeah, which yeah. I recommend <laughs> strongly. <laughs> I think we need to normalize the gap year. Absolutely. Um, you would call it a sabbatical, but we don't get those so easy. Yeah. Down here, yeah. Right. So, <laughs> You know, um, but uh, I, I was ready to I, to move on from that position. And mm-hmm. my father uh, got quite ill. He has dementia. Mm-hmm. And so it, it just sort of a lot of things happened that it was a good opportunity to just sort of unplug from it all. Go help. You know, yeah. and so I went back to Texas where my family lives okay. and uh, and spent a year there helping, you know, helping my mom take care of my dad. And we've since gotten him placed in a really great facility in Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So and it was during while I was in Texas that the opportunity for this position at Radford uh, University came up and uh, for the fall of 22. And it was just an interim position. But even that's like a kind of a crazy story because. The person, my predecessor, the director of band's position, mm-hmm. moved up to be department chair. Okay. And uh, and his name is Wayne Gallops. And it turns out, Wayne Gallops, when I was at February 2nd, 1985, when I was in the Hillsborough <laughs> County Honor Band, there's a good chance that he was in it too. Oh, wow. <laughs> because he went to high school in Hillsborough County. But he's we've talked about this, and I, he's a few just a few years older than mm-hmm. me, so I don't think he we decided he wasn't in that band. But he know we know all the same people from Florida and right. all the people I went to school with. And he was a band director in Florida. I was a band director in Florida. Rodney, when Rodney Dorsey was a band director in Florida. So, like, we all just kind of mm-hmm. – so it, how great – so now I work for someone who knew me mm-hmm. yeah. in 1985. That's awesome. Like I just, it's, it's just so big circle of life kind of thing. So <laughs> we wow. love stories like what that. A, what a journey. Yeah. And I can't believe it. It was crazy. 
I've never asked you any of these questions before. Uh, like, is how did you get here? I, This is like my favorite. This is why I love the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. You know what? I was Somebody asked me to count it up the other day about how many different states I've lived in. And I'm pretty sure that Virginia is number 11. Wow. Wow. Okay. So that's, that's the sort of thing to keep in mind that if, you know, if you want to do this, you're going to need to be willing to make some moves yeah. to mm-hmm. follow the opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. <clears throat> I talk to my students about that all the time now, because it's like, you know, where do you, where do you want to be? Where's, what's the end look like for you? You know? And so they're like, I want to be a high school band director in a big city or suburb, a suburb of a big city. Okay. Mm-hmm. What do you want your, listen, now let's work backwards. What do you think yeah. your first job is going to be? <laughs> it's not going to be that job. Right. You know, so or it might be if you're if you're lucky, but I think we got to prepare folks that you know it's a journey. Yeah. It takes a while. It's a journey. It's a journey. Uh, well, that, no, that's great. And could you tell us a little bit about Radford? Yeah, and, and what, what the um, program looks like and all that. It's I love Radford. It reminds me a lot of my undergrad at the University of South Florida. It's not as big as that. The university, I think, is like between like eight and 10,000 students, um, where USF was a gigantic, you know, state school. I don't know how many we had then. Um, but it feels very much the same. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and that's always, it's, it's always been important to me, but it turns out that it's actually the most important thing that I've, I've learned is the fit and the, in the feeling, you know, of, of mm-hmm. a place. So, uh, but we have a performance major, a music ed major, a music therapy major and music, uh, business. Oh, great. So yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a great, 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 great. I just absolutely love it here. Wonderful. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you're, you came back up close to the border. So <laughs> yeah, a little bit closer, a <laughs> little, little, little bit closer, a little bit closer. Um, speaking of which, um, you're a great friend to Canada. And that's, that's kind of how, uh, I got to meet you. I was a master's student of Jillian McKay's and, um, you were one of those people in my life, just like Jerry was for you. That kind of inspired me to, um, go further with my craft. And, uh, I mean, I, I talk about that symposium a lot to my students. Um, and I still have the handouts and everything, um, but, um, (laughs) That being said, basically every time I meet you, it's because um, you're someone who is in demand as an adjudicator, clinician, guest conductor, conducting teacher. Doing we we saw you in October for the Ontario Honor Band. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is it about like these kind of aspects of your work that that you enjoy? I yeah. I love bands. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. Like, I love band. I love almost everything about us. I like our community. I like our vibe. Um, So anytime I can be in that environment where, like, I think about a a festival like OBA or any of those like hundreds thousands of students right come through and and everybody's in band right band is the common denominator and 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 music and the feeling of community and working together i don't i just love everything about it so mm-hmm. i'm happy to be part of that all the time and then 
I also, when like for an adjudication sort of situation, I really, really value the camaraderie and hanging out with the other clinicians Mm -hmm. because those are my friends. Right. And, you know, I, I teach in a music department here, so there's a lot of music musicians around me, but not a lot of band directors. Right. So Mm -hmm. to be able to sit at dinner and, you know, sing a few, like what piece am I singing, you know, and (laughs) sing something and and someone will know it. And you're like, that's right. I think that might work for my group or, or talk about how we're teaching conducting and, Mm -hmm. and just, you know, or just, you know, talking about our teachers and what we, I don't know. I just, that's really important to me. And Mm -hmm. I've made a lot of my closest friends through those kind of experiences. Um, But I can say too, for honor bands, when I, after I got the calling, (laughs) after, (laughs) after I knew it's what I wanted to do. And, and thinking back to that, it's, you know, that, for me, that feeling and all of the sort of joy and flow is, was associated with honor bands. Mm-hmm. So then I made it my mission to find as many honor bands as I could for the rest of the time I was in high school. Right. So it got to the point my junior and senior year that every month I had something I could go to. It was a camp or a tri-state or a, anything. I would audition for anything you know, just to, to try chasing that uh, again. So, um, so now being on the podium, Mm -hmm. that's a huge, I feel a huge responsibility for that. And, uh, but not in a way that makes me feel nervous or obligated. It almost the opposite in that it, it need, we need to, we're going to make really great music and we're going to work really hard, but we need to feel joyful. Mm-hmm. Right. So the way the timing of the breaks or the things that we talk about when we're having a chop break or just sort of a mental moment and telling jokes or you just, I feel like it's a really important thing that those kids have a great experience and then they take that back and hopefully that will infect you know, all the home programs too. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, that, that, that's really great to hear, hear you speak about it like that. And even, um, you know, in October when Kate and Kate and I were there, I think we like crashed maybe a sound check before, <laughs> um, just to hear the band there and at the concert. I mean, the things that you can do in however many days are pretty amazing. Um, oh. and, and more importantly, I think, um, you've, you've used the word vibe a lot and like the vibe of the students after they're done, that says a lot to the experience in which they have with you. Um, and like, it was electric after that performance at, at, uh, mm. OMEA this, this year. So it's always great to see a, see an action and stuff. And yeah. Well, it does also help to have some of the best players in the province. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't hurt. Yeah, they're, they're okay. Yeah. They're okay. <laughs> but yeah, but no, it, it would be the same, you know, yeah. I, I think it, I think it's important because it's, and it's not like I'm trying, I'm hoping, I don't know that anyone ever has or would have that same kind of sort of earth shattering uh, experience, but it mm-hmm. doesn't have to be that to be yeah. impactful, right. Yeah. Uh, and to somehow change just one little thought pattern or, or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah. So. I was, uh, <laughs> I was remembering when I did my first honor band and, uh, I'll won't say the, the location. Um, but I just similar to like, can we all play a B flat together and just not knowing what to do? Um, I kind of got through the day 
the first day with all the music and I was like, how, how am I going to do this in two days? Like, but I just remember I called Jill yeah, <laughs> and all, that's all, she, what I would do. <laughs> all she, all she said was just love them to greatness. Just mm. love them to greatness. And I was like, okay. So I went in the next day and I meet, I, it sounds cheesy, but like it really does that mindset change and, and, you know, just trying to be there for them. And it really made all the difference. So anyway. Yeah. hundred percent. That is such a Jillian McKay thing to say, isn't yeah. it? Sage wisdom. <laughs> she hits me with like a sentence every now and again that just literally shifts the ground under my feet. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I need a minute. Like, can I call you back? <laughs> like, just, like, stop changing my fundamental belief system by being so wise. You know what I mean? yeah. She has a way of doing that. Uh, she does. And probably gets a name drop every episode of this probably, podcast. Probably. She should. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's she deserves it. Good friend. <laughs> she won't do it for she herself. Does. So um, we have to do That's it. That's true. Yeah, she's yeah. too humble. Anyway, this yeah. is your episode. Go, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I just, I was going to just add to this uh, honor band love and just how it's evident how much you love band. I mean, you just said it, but it's like you can, I can feel through the screen and everything that, um, love just radiates from you when you talk about your work. And I, I think that's just so inspiring. And um, I love hearing people like you talk about the value of these community music events like honor bands and things like that, because as a composer, I'm thinking about like, how can I create music that is going to work for this format? That's going to be like, that's going to be conducive to people having that kind of experience that you've, you know, in your origin story, um, just that significant, profound flow state that you were able to find. Uh, I, I love thinking about how I can contribute to that because I had my own version of that story as a musician playing in honor bands. And so the idea of, of coming full circle, you know, being someone who writes music for honor bands now conducted by people like both of you. And uh, that's, that's just so special. I think you have to love it to, to do it. And it's very clear that you do. So it's exciting to hear you talk about that. Yeah. And you know, and what a great collaboration, right? Yeah. So you think you write it, we learn it and digest it. And then we try to, you know, represent you in the room. I mean, that flow of how many people are involved yeah. in it, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think that's, I mean, it's just so great. So like, cool. What we do is just, just so, so great. Cool. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. So it is so cool. Pivoting a little bit. Um, this is a question that Dylan and I, uh, we actually don't know the answer to this either. And, and this is a bit of a mystery, which is very fun in a podcast because we don't, we don't know. Um, but we would love to hear about your project called Junction City. And then maybe after you tell us about it, um, Dylan can elaborate on how we even came to learn about this in the first place. <laughs> okay. I am curious yeah. because like that's, it's just a project I do in my instrumental methods class, and, but I've been teaching it for a long time and there is a little bit of folklore. I've heard there's been <laughs> songs written about it. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. So let me tell you about this project. So first thing I have to say is that it, the, uh, the sort of the, the idea of it came from a project that I did myself as an undergrad mm. in my instrumental methods class, that class being the last one, like right before you student teach, like the, how to be a band director class, yeah. right? The whole, all of the synthesis, put it mm. all together. So when I was at USF, Dr. Christopher Doan, I have to say his name because he gets credit, um, 
for this that we had, and it was called Junction City. I kept the, I kept the title. And so and it was a one year, like you did a one year thing where you dealt with budget and, and like you need a new bass clarinet. You've got to buy a bass clarinet. So we had, there was no internet then. So we had the catalogs, you know, <laughs> from Woodwind Brasswind and we would look it up and find the model numbers. And, uh, and so we had to create this budget and things like that. And it was, inc- it was like a puzzle, which I love. So I was, you know, yeah. and it was about band stuff. So I was in percent um and i just remember so many nights sitting out my apartment and all my friends around the table you know uh, working on junction city it was like this and i learned so much from that project so when and i used it when i was teaching middle school and, and junior high mm-hmm. uh would refer back to what's the model number of a bass clarinet that i want to <laughs> buy you know and i would go to junction right. city oh yeah the yamaha ycl whatever um so uh so then when i started teaching that class I wanted to bring it back, but I wanted it to be bigger, right? So, so now it's three years. So how, here's what happens. I give the instrumentation for every grade from eight to 12, okay? And your Junction City is a three-year high school. So you can see what your instrumentation is 10 through 12. And then the next year, it's this group of kids. And the next year, it's this group of kids. This is your instrument inventory. This is your budget. Um, now plan. So, you know, it's like, okay, well, I had the second year, I'm going to have four bass clarinet players, but only two in my inventory. So I have to buy two and I never give them enough money because I want it to be real. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It wouldn't, it's no fun if you have like a $40,000 budget, which right. no one, well, some do, <laughs> yeah. but not most, right. So, um, Anyway, so it's and so they we, they do the budget and instrumentation. They have to pick marching band shows. They have to order shoes. Where what kind of shoes are the oh, kids wow. going to wear? Um, and so every possible detail. Don't forget to buy mutes. Don't forget to buy extra reeds. Don't forget to buy all of those things. So millions of details. And then there's three years worth of programming. So they do. We decide how many concerts a year. When are they going to be? Are they going to be themed? And then they have to go. And now we do a repertoire project earlier in the semester that sets this up. So they have a nice list, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's like hours and hours of listening. So they make three years of programming and then we write a handbook for the instrumental music program because we deal with band and orchestra. Uh, So that way they have a template, uh, so a template of the handbook. So if you go to a school that there is no handbook, like my first job, you Mm -hmm. have one ready to go. Change the name of the school. And use that. Yeah. Um, and then if there is one, then you can just marry them, you know, together. Right. So um, it saves a ton of work, you know, when you when you get a new job, especially if it's going to happen last minute like it did for me. And now the purpose of the whole, all, all the pieces of that project, because like when I think about the handbook, the things that like we write in our sort of rules and consequences, you know, sort of classroom procedures in 10 years, they might not agree what they thought when they were 21, mm-hmm. but it forces them at 21 because we talk about everything in, about that goes in the handbook and we argue about things. And is it fair to do that? And is that equitable? And what about this student? And what about a student? You know, so we're like trying to think of every possible thing. And that's true with the budget and the instrumentation and the programming. So the goal is to provide the opportunity for them to make as many mistakes as possible Mm -hmm. while 
it's just me, mm. right? And not someone that will fire them, right? For right. mishandling money or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or doing a, a program with, you know, four pieces on it, three by the same composer. Mm-hmm. And like, just, you, can, you know, that's, we're not, we don't want to do that. And why don't we want to do that? Let's argue about it. Let's fight, you know, figure yeah. it out and come to it. So it's the whole process of the discussions and them having to decide. This is what I believe right now. Mm-hmm. And they put that down and they're welcome to change it later. But I just think that process, you know what I mean? I just imagine a mm-hmm. first year teacher and they have a marching band and they didn't know about the shoes. Yeah. Or they don't know who orders the buses. Mm-hmm. Right. Who are the most important people in the building? Well, the principal secretary and the head custodian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are the people that are going to bail you out. Like all of those, and those discussions lead to that little bit of information, all those little pieces of information so that when they do start, they feel like less terrified. (laughs) Wow. That's amazing. That's That's Junction City. City. I love that. (laughs) It's like, I'm so proud of that project and I, and I'm not being braggy because again, it came, I, the original idea wasn't mine, but every single year. I get at least three emails from a former student saying, I get to buy a tenor sax and I pulled out Junction City, <laughs> you know, or I needed yeah. a new slow piece. So I yeah. pulled out my programs from Junction City and I'm just so glad. That's yeah. so cool. Well, yeah. What a, what a, a service to, yeah. to students. I mean, we, um, we have discussions all the time about, are we preparing our students for the actual real world? And we're very good at preparing them for musicking. Um, but so often just the practicality or, um, but those kind of conversations and to hear, hear that. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. It's basically like how in other, uh, subject areas you'd have like a mock debate or like, um, mock trial, mock interview, like you, these sort of simulation, um, opportunities for people to, like you said, make mistakes and practice and just test things out and try things out before there are real life consequences for those decisions and mistakes. And this is the first time Mm -hmm. I've ever heard of like such a thorough in-depth, you know, trial version of run a band program or an instrumental music program. I, I think that's that's amazing. I want to do that. I want to do it just for fun. That sounds like a fun game to I'll play. Do it. <laughs> so you, you know what? And I, so, and here's the thing. So I do it every year Yeah. because not that my students would ever cheat, but <laughs> the, the, the point so of the program is of the project is sort of the suffering elements yeah. and yeah. having to <laughs> wrestle with all the Problem decisions. Solving. So without yeah. that, it's, Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so I change it every year. Like I change oh. the money or I'll give them three bass clarinets, but only two tubas. Right. right. So like you, so it's a little bit different. So if anybody were to cheat, which no one ever has, um, it would be easy to find, but, um, so I'll send it to you. You can do it. You'll love it. It's a puzzle. Awesome. Um, <laughs> but I also think about with that project too, is that, you know, is I also, really, really, really enjoy my role that I have in training band directors. Right. Mm -hmm. I I love that a lot as well. Um, and there's only so much we can do to create 
actual teaching experiences for them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like we, they conduct Mm -hmm. in the conducting class, they do a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but it's not the same, right? It's like when they start their student teaching and it's all day, every day. So I just keep thinking, I want to get as many things out of the way because the things that I can't prepare them for, like standing there and not cutting off the note because they're not sure what to say. (laughs) I want that to be the thing that they think about. Mm -hmm. They don't have to worry about the buses because they've already filled out the forms because they did Mm -hmm. it on the first day of school because they were raised right. So they don't have to worry about those details anymore. And they can concentrate on practicing the skills that we cannot provide and, you know, until you're actually out teaching. So sort of clears the road for those sorts of things. Amazing. Well, one one of those people that was raised right was our dear friend Janet Song Kim. Who... Janet Kim, <laughs> oh my girl. So uh, yeah, because we how have... about Janet Kim? She's grown up I well know. as conductor, hasn't she? Oh, yeah, yeah. Doing I'm okay. very proud of her. She yep. was a student of mine at Montclair. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, I because I I knew um, uh, they had studied with you, so I uh, reached out and um, so th- this is exactly what she said. Uh, Ask her about the project called Junction City. It changed my life and made me so ready. It's a brilliant project she gives to all her instrumental method students, and that's all she told me. So I didn't really know what the hell it was. Uh, so yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and I'll send it to you too. Like, I mean, feel free to use it. Just put me on your work cited page and <laughs> oh, you can use it too with your kids. <laughs> uh, yeah. And we're going to see Janet in uh, Toronto because we're Ooh. both adjudicating at Music Fest Canada this year. Yay. A fun time. Yeah, uh, that'll be fun. Also past guest as well. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, anyway. Well, uh, also last October, um, you were in the audience for our band room live with... Jillian McKay. Yeah. I this, sure was. <laughs> this next question is one um, we asked her, and it's one that I'm interested to hear uh, uh, you you answer as well. But do you have any specific tools or routines that you use to keep up your craft and stay motivated? That's a really good question because it's well, it's a very timely question for in, for me personally. Um, I find these days that. Most of my, the things that I do to keep myself motivated are actually not necessarily attached to music. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more about my own journey, like aside from being a conductor or a teacher or a musician or a mother or any of the other things, just sort of me. Uh, so like meditation, which mm-hmm. again, my great good friend, Jillian McKay has who is a master, like she really, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. by no means at that level, but, but just sort of being quieter, you know what I mean? And not thinking about the musical stuff as much, right? Because for me, it can be, oh, I can, can be all consuming. Mm -hmm. Um, I find that when I'm having sort of a lull, in my motivation, which did happen to me not too long ago. And I tried to just observe it, mm-hmm. right? Because the tendency is to be like, you need to study more. You need to be doing, um, you need to be at the piano. You need to go in the office and you need, well, but I don't want to. So instead of just 
being mean, why not treat myself like I would a student, right? Who I love, um, and show myself a little more grace. And Mm -hmm. so I, what I noticed was I was super motivated in the rehearsal and right after rehearsal. Then I was back to, I love band. I want to, I wish we could rehearse for two more hours. Like I'm, it would, I would get charged up again. So I would use that time, right? While I was sort of fired up and I would sit and I sit down and make my plan for the next time. And I study right then after rehearsal uh, and try to extend that mm-hmm. feeling of motivation. Um yeah. And it came back yeah, okay. and it does, but I, I think people need to show themselves a little bit of grace on that and not think that, you know, I'm not feeling motivated to study or, or whatever the thing or practice or whatever the thing is that it doesn't mean you've lost your love for music. It, it just means that you need a minute and maybe mm-hmm. you need to, maybe you need to think, maybe you do need, of course you need to practice more. We all do, but Maybe there's a piece that's also missing that would help that. Mm-hmm. Therapy also. Yeah. <laughs> Best hour of the week. Like, seriously, yeah. I could not be a bigger advocate for it. Yeah. I love what you said about motivation um, and sort of capturing, like, while you're already feeling the effects of, you know, having a rehearsal that feels satisfying and you're kind of amped up and you have this higher level of energy you know, making the most of that, like choosing that that's going to be the time that you're going to do some planning and you're going to think through next steps and stuff like that. Because I think a lot of us um, wait until we feel motivated to do a task. And the reality is sometimes that's just, that's just not how it works. Um, And so recognizing that in yourself, like I need to be already there to then do this other stuff. I think that's very wise and observant and, and something that um, we can all think a lot about it musically and otherwise. I think that's a really cool thing to think about. Yeah. So excellent point. How you said that you, yeah, you cause you can't wait for motivation. Yeah. And there are going to be a days, there are going to be days, a lot of days. If you're going to have a long career, it's going to be a lot of days where you just don't feel like it yeah. and you're going to do it anyway. And you're going to be great. You have to be. Right. You got to take those feelings, push them way down (laughs) and go be there for your for your kids and then go to therapy. Yeah. As long as those feelings come out later, like you can push them down temporarily. They have to go somewhere, though. They can't just live down there forever. (laughs) No, no, because they will come back and you don't want that in some sort of catastrophic episode on the podium. No, you're right that you do have to combine that with the therapy piece for that to really be effective. (laughs) Yeah. And it, it, I mean, I also selfishly asked this question for myself um, because I, I think one thing that Kate and I talked about is, is, you know, being open about, about this with the people that are around us even. Um, But for me, I mean, last time we spoke was, I think, yeah, in October, and I had just finished some of my first semester, and I was like, yeah, my life's great, and even when we logged onto this call, you're like, you look like you're living your best life. I'm like, yeah, and I and I very much am, but uh, very quickly getting bogged down with, you know, just new systems and and knowing how things work and who, yes. who's, the, who's the principal in the building, who's the janitor, yeah. and all those things. Yes. Um, and it was, I, whenever you we were talking about 
um, motiv- doing, doing, being motivated and doing your kind of study after rehearsal um, is a, it's a wonderful idea because we spend so much time being told, well, no, you're supposed to get up at 6 a.m. and you then you do your thing and you do this. And I was just like laughing at myself because I gave a guest lecture on score study this morning. And um, I was, it's all about creating your own system and what works for you. And I don't really apply that to the rest of my life. I still live <laughs> in this world <laughs> that I'm like, no, I need to be motivated like Mallory's motivated or like Jillian's motivated or yeah. whoever, you know. And it, it's But see, different. you're doing that thing that we do where we have different and higher and unreasonable expectations for ourselves that we would never have for our students. Yeah. Or for a friend that came to you and said, I'm, you know, God, I'm just not feeling it. You wouldn't yeah. say, well, you need to get up 6 a.m., get your <laughs> pencil sharpened and sit down and do it. You wouldn't say that. You'd be like, yeah. you know what I mean? Maybe you need to take a walk or what. So I just, we, we, of course we do that. Yeah. Of course we yeah. do that. And we shouldn't. You're right. Yeah. And then, then, and exactly my second point was what you just said. Like, how would you speak to your student? Um, often when I talk about score study, I'm like, okay, I go back to, if I have a question or I start questioning things and I don't understand, I go back to who I am as a musician. And I think in the case of this kind of professionalism and burning out, that's a great way to frame it. How would I speak to a student? So um, thank you for that. Um, and uh, yeah. Yeah. It's important that we do better with that. Mm-hmm. All of us. Yeah. Speaking of students, that's not, not a very exciting segue sorry but um <laughs> hey that's pretty solid that's pretty solid that's solid yeah, yeah yeah um what strategies have you found to be most effective in building strong connections with your students both in the rehearsal room and and beyond and then sort of a part two of this is just how do you create an environment that fosters trust and inspiration and love for music among your students this is also from janet <laughs> Is it? Yeah. She said oh, you're a master you... at connection. Oh my gosh. So much pressure, y'all. <laughs> I'm just a band director. Like, come on, man. <laughs> um, so, you know, I don't have strategies. Mm. I think, and it's, I want to say this and I don't want to like be sound, sound like all any type of way, but I think my teacher, Mallory Thompson, always said there's no substitute for sincerity. Mm-hmm. And that is a true statement. Yeah. I would also say that sincerity cannot be simulated. Mm-hmm. So if you don't love the, and you don't have to love each and every one of them, because come <laughs> <you're> on. <laughs> um, but if you don't love your group or your class, or at least the idea of them or the potential of them, Mm. then I don't know how to help. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I don't know, I don't have tricks because, and, and this is, I guess maybe just sort of a lucky way to be built is that because I love it so much, I, uh, and they are how they're my instrument, right. I can't make music without my musicians. Mm -hmm. And so, and I care very deeply for them. Um, Plus, I'm a compulsive teacher and being a mother really kind of ruined me for having any sort of separation right now. I'm just like, what's the matter, baby? Are you okay? You have sick eyes. When's the last time you had water? You know what I mean? Um, but, uh, but I, you know, you, the thing is, is you have to invest in them as people. 
Mm-hmm. Their name is not trumpet. Yeah. Or tuba. You need to know their names and you need to. And, and one thing too, that I have always kind of done is just pay attention to the times before and after class, right? You're going to overhear a lot of insider information about their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's a little bit of face, not, uh, I was going to say uh, eavesdropping, right? Or, <laughs> you know, but, but if I know someone's grandmother is sick, I want to ask them about that, yeah. like, because that's going to affect them. Right. And mm-hmm. so, and then there is this phenomenon and I tell my, my, uh, student, my young band directors, right. Who want to be band directors, that there is this phenomenon with younger students that if you know things about them, they will, because they're so gloriously self-centered, and I don't mean that like they're self-centered, I mean, but centered no. on yeah. themselves, which is yeah. totally age appropriate. Mm-hmm. So if we know about them, they're going to just sort of put together that they know us, right? That we're connected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, they didn't. They don't know my first name. They don't know where I live. I mean, my college kids do because they're total stalkers. But, you know, <laughs> teaching middle school, right? Yeah. They don't know my first name. They didn't know where right. I lived. But I would hear them be like, oh, yeah, Miss Axelson, we're like friends. <laughs> and I'm like thinking in my head, girl, we are not friends. Like, you don't even know my name. But but that's the it's a, making that investment, right? Mm. And knowing them and giving them time. And this I'm just. I can't believe I'm this many years old till I really, it's so ridiculous, but <laughs> they need time. I need to carve out time, more time in rehearsal to allow them to invest in one another. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of them have classes together and that's all, and they date each other and all of that. And so that <laughs> certain percentage takes care of itself. But then there are folks that are maybe shyer or maybe aren't music majors. Maybe they're music minors, you know, mm-hmm. so they're not in the, the building life. So, um, but anything that creates a sense of community is going to make our music making better, mm-hmm. right? And it's going to make it more meaningful. And it's going to make the experience of just being in this thing together more impactful it just floats all the boats right so mm-hmm. so i think it's 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 again just sort of trying to facilitate the building of community i don't think we can do it mm-hmm. because right. i'm worried what if we do if there are tricks and strategies what i wouldn't want to do is build it so that now it's a personality driven experience like right. they like music because they like me yeah mm-hmm. Right. Because that we don't want to happen. Right. So it's it's about facilitating that relationship of their relationship with music, which is filtered through me, of course, because that's my job. But Mm -hmm. you know what I'm trying to say? Making sure that everyone is involved and the credit goes to the to the music. And then I'm sorry, I'm I'm rambling. Right. No, this is great. Keep going. (laughs) Keep going. But that I just, it makes me think about how important it is, how important our repertoire choice is. Mm-hmm. It just matters so much that the music we put in front of them is worth the calories, mm-hmm. that it's worth the investment. If you're going to ask them to go deep, it, there has to be depth there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I mean? And if you're going to ask them to practice something super technical, it should be, there should be a musical reward for that and not just like a woohoo, I <laughs> nailed it, yeah. I mean, which is totally satisfying. Like I'm not yeah. downplaying it, but it's certainly not what motivates us to get up every day. So, yeah. 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 No, that's, that's really a, a, a great way to, to, well, it's exactly how I try to try to be every day. Um, I mean, there's, students smell bs right away um, if you're not being sincere and i and there's i mean i've had so many conductors in my life that that weren't jillian that weren't you that weren't um sincere that caught literally called me trumpet just like you said it's like you jumped into my head for a second and started (laughs) pulling out people (laughs) Um, and then and and i know it always kind of seems silly to think but you know, even after getting to see someone uh, like you just for a week at a symposium, um, just be yourself and be a professional at the same time. Like that's what always inspires me um, in my, my uh, you know, ex- exploration to who I am. Because so often you try to put on your conductor hat and your, you know, maestro, whoever. But to see to see you, even then when I met you in, in Toronto, just be yourself for the, those whatever four days that it's uh, you you walk the talk. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's really nice to hear you talk about it, kind of more on a you know um, a band director level because we never really mm-hmm. got to talk about it. But yeah, and well, such and can a, I say though then to that point, just for the mm-hmm. folks who might hear this who are much younger, right? Mm-hmm. I was just talking to a student today about this, and the, we were talking. The conversation started talking about physical conducting, right? Like, mm-hmm. how do I, you know, should I watch and imitate conductors? And yeah, you know, I mean, I, that's a way to go, right? You'll mm-hmm. steal gesture from here and there, but you also at the same time have to be working on how your own body physically responds to sound and all that. And then mm-hmm. that got us into sort of the teaching, like who I am as a teacher or who I am as a conductor and that is the same like if the who you are is who you are but i want to offer grace to mm-hmm. those of who are just starting that that takes a little while oh, right yeah. so i think everyone pretty much everyone that i know going through a couple of conducting programs right yeah, graduate programs mm-hmm. when we all when i left michigan when we all left michigan we all looked conduct moved a lot like Professor Reynolds, yeah. Yeah. which is awesome. <laughs> but there already is a Professor Reynolds, right? But he was never concerned about that. Like, he was like, you know, you can take that gesture, sure, but you need to make it your own, right? Mm-hmm. And then same with, you know, working with Mallory. So I would just say to the younger teachers and, and, and conductors and band directors that it's okay at first that you're borrowing or stealing from other people. But as long as you're always working on making those things your own and figuring and the answer is going to be just spoiler alert. <laughs> who am I as a teacher? Who am I as a conductor? You, that's who you are with all of your flaws. Yeah. And every one of those conductors and teachers and musicians that you idolize are incredibly flawed. Right. So, and yeah. you don't see that because you're not in their life. Right. But just be patient, I guess, just mm-hmm. Be and work as hard on who you are fundamentally as a person and a spirit as you do on who you are as a conductor. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, let's just stop right there. <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> just, we, we won't. We won't. <laughs> well, 
it's funny. <laughs> you said you have no strategies. I, I, I know what you mean by that. It's like, that's not how you think about it. But um, it sounds like if, if anything, your strategy or your approach here is just love. Like you love this and you communicate that honestly through what you do. So that creates an environment where people who are new to this or not are also feeling love. They're, they're learning to love it. They're learning to love each other. They're learning to love themselves through this thing that we do that is called band and music. And, um, that through caring about your students, you are connecting with them. And by connecting with them personally, you're creating that environment where they can connect musically, I think is, is what I've heard you say through all of that. So I think that's a pretty solid, strategy or non-strategy or whatever it is, a, a way of life, I think, that you're just sort of applying in and out of the classroom. Yeah, see, Kate needs you more for the win, right? Yeah. I talked for what, hey, like you seven said minutes, right? And, like, and Kate in three sentences says, what I'm hearing you say. Uh. <laughs> yes, what she said, that's what I meant. <laughs> Hey, I have to say, words. I have to say a lot in like a three minute band piece. So I'm, I am used to being, uh, concise, taking big things and making them like, here's what it really is. So yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a good point. And then when I think about it, I'm pretty much every room I go into, right. I get to be in charge of it so I can talk as long as I want. <laughs> It was well, my like, daughter though helps me with that. She's like, "Can you say it in like half enough. as many yeah. words?" I'm like, "I could, but why would I do that?" Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. It's too uh, late now. It's too late. Yeah, too late. Um, too late. Yeah, Kate was a Kate was a guest on the Memorial Campus uh, last semester, and we did a little like moderated talk for the podcast. And um, my wife was in the audience, and we got in the car after, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, Kate." Kate's just so wise. How does she, yeah. how does she speak like that? Yes. <laughs> and I had the she same thought. Is. Yeah. These yeah. truth bombs. She just is. Yeah. Truth bombs. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> well, um, we've, we've come to the last official question of uh, this main episode, but you better check your pockets because do you have your ticket for bonus episode land, choo choo, um, you can have access uh, to a bonus episode featuring Shelly Axelson um, if you become a patron of the Bandroom Podcast. And you can do that and learn more about that by visiting patreon.com slash bandroompod. That's patreon.com slash bandroompod for more bonus episodes. It's just bonus episodes now. You're not getting anything else. We changed it. Um, but anyway, that's where we're... <laughs> That's where we're going after, uh, and it's going to be a fun time. Um, however, before that, um, what advice do you have for conductors, music educators, or musicians in general? Um, You've given us so much. I'm so sorry for asking this again. <laughs> no, no, no. It's good because I'm going to try to – I'm going to channel my inner Kate Nishimura, and I'm going to be – try to be concise. But – my temptation is to say practice more and study more, right? Like, is that, of course, we need to do that. But everything goes contrary to pretty much everything else I said. Um, I, I think, honestly, try to find patience. Work hard, but be patient. Don't give up. 
learn, be better at piano and ear training. Mm-hmm. That's a practical thing. Yeah. And I'm very serious about that. Like, I don't remember when they made you take piano in college. There's a reason. There's a million reasons, and they're all really important to your life as a conductor, uh, a music educator. Like, just get yourself sit down at a piano and mm-hmm. and uh, play your scores or sight read from like four part things. Just be able to have some piano facility. It will make your life easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, ear training, practice ear training every day, mm-hmm. and then I think just larger. You just gotta you gotta work hard. You gotta be patient. You gotta Meet as many people as you can. Fall in love as often as you can. That was great advice. I was given that advice by the extraordinary Larry Ratcliffe when uh, back when he was a band director. Remember that? Yeah, right. right? Yeah, and he did that conducting symposium at South Florida uh, that I talked about earlier. And uh, I remember I had asked him a similar question, like, you know, I was about to go to Michigan and I was like, you know, and he was at, had been at Michigan. Right. So I was like, you know, is there any advice, you know, because well, I wanted the answer. Of course I did. <laughs> I was 23 years old and knew everything. So what, give me a list that I can do to be successful. Of course, that's what we, um, <laughs> and he was trying to tell me that there is no list, but he did tell me that fall in love with as many people as you can. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was so beautiful and and I remember thinking, what? But now, of course, I know what he meant. Yeah. Right? So. <laughs> no. But yeah. That, that so don't it. give up. Work hard. Be kind. And don't give up. Great advice. That is a great way to end this yeah. 99th episode of yes. BRP. Yay. Uh, yeah. So thank you so much, Shelly, for taking the time to be with us. Um, I'm so appreciative of uh our paths crossing, even though they don't cross uh, so often, but every time they do, um, you're a great inspiration to to both of us and to everyone that you get to interact with on a daily basis. So thanks for being you and oh, helping us figure out who we are so too. So fun. Yeah. So fun. We're all family, right? We're all family. So fam. Thanks, Shelly. Thank you. Yes. You're welcome. Bye. Thanks so much for spending time with us in the band room. If you want to learn more about anything we discussed in today's episode, check out the links found on our website, bandroompod.com. If you liked what you heard, make sure to subscribe to the Bandroom Podcast. Give us a rating and a review and tell all your friends about how much you enjoyed it. If you really love the show, maybe you should consider becoming part of our Patreon community where you can support BRP and get some extra incentives in return. Or you can buy some sweet, sweet BRP merch, helping to offset podcast hosting costs and investments into new equipment so that we can continue to bring you great content and great people. Follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube to keep up with what's on the go. If you have any thoughts on today's episode, leave us a comment on our website, bandroompod.com, where your comment might be featured on a future episode of BRP. Our theme music is Skyline, composed by EKR Hamill and performed by Dr. Gillian McKay and the University of Toronto Wind Ensemble. Stay safe and be well, bandies. Thanks again for stopping by the band room. <laughs>